Welcome back to DFS. Frucci, Lynch, Crawford, all with you on a Thursday. And, uh, well, this man's always very good to us with his time from the Daily Telegraph, Tom Smithies. Welcome back, Tom. Hello there. How are you going? Going very well indeed. And, uh, well, we've got you on because uh, you've written a very interesting piece, uh, of course, in the Daily Telegraph uh, earlier this week, the 100-day plan, which was uh, stipulated by the A-League club owners. For any listeners that haven't yet read that on the Tally website, I'll read a little uh, excerpt from that piece. A-League club owners have begun a first 100-days blitz to revolutionise the way the competition is marketed and run with widespread investment promised to combat sliding ratings and attendances. It's very exciting and it certainly covers a lot of the bases that um, I think certainly personally, Tom, um, have maybe gone a little bit astray for various reasons in the last couple of years in, in the A-League. But I guess for people that, um, that haven't yet uh, seen it, can you sort of just talk us through uh, the, the key points? Well, um, what, what I've done is, is spoken to a number of the people who this has been presented to, which was a sort of two-day summit of the, uh, the A-League clubs on, on Monday and Tuesday at a hotel in Double Bay and uh, Sydney. And um, firstly, the CEOs and the, the coaches, the football directors, even the media managers were all talking through uh, what apparently is this sort of strategy document of pretty long, several hours worth of presentation. Um, and the gist of it is that now, now that the A-League owners have taken control the competition as of August the 1st, um, which is the short and the long-term strategies to arrest what's been a pretty depressing decline in, uh, in viewing figures and in tendencies and general interest in, in the competition, uh, starting with immediate investment in, in sort of digital marketing and, and, a, and a marketing campaign for the whole season um, through to um, four, five, six years hence and how many teams they want to have in the competition. Um there's a lot in there to be debated, and even what you know, I've written several stories based on this this week, um, including how they plan to expand the league. And there's been ferocious debate on, on social media, but at least there is a debate to be had and a, mm. and a strategy and a blueprint that this is based on. And we can argue parts of it, and parts of it may get changed, but for the first time in a long time, it feels like that there is a, a roadmap um, with a destination in sight um, put together by people who know what they're talking about. And we can argue over their aims and all that kind of thing, but at least there is a sense of something to argue about. So you said you, it's got you excited. It's got me a lot more optimistic than it has in a long time. Um, I sat to Ernie Merrick yesterday, and he felt he, you know, the original Grinch of the A-League, and he said, uh, I feel positively uplifted. And he wasn't joking. Um, <laughs> so if they can get Ernie on side, <laughs> they can get most people on side. Well, Tom, I'm sure you know my uh, certain members oh. of my family are well aware of uh, oh, no. Ernie Merrick's Grinch-like uh, <laughs> reputation. But um, I just wanted to ask you, based on the the conversations you've been having, this initial uh, blitz of marketing, did you get a sense of what sort of demographics they'll be targeting with this blitz? Are they looking to target school-age kids? Are they looking to target the so-called Euro snob? Just what sort of market are they looking to tap into in this initial blitz? Well, to answer that, I can take you back to some research that was shown to me, I think it was about a year ago, which showed that football was doing really badly in the 16 to 30 demographic, um, which is the, the sort of key for an immediate uplift here um, because they've got they're the ones with disposable income, interest in going to events and things like that, but and um, relatively few ties stopping them. And football was doing poorly in that. So I think it's fair to say that the, the gist of this is that, um, but it's, it's not just that. It's also uh, getting kids in and you know you, you're probably not going to get a 40 year old NRL fan to get to convert to the A League regularly, but if his kids are into it, he'll go regularly to take them. Um, and then that, so there's, there's a whole broad range of, of, of talk, 
top top ends, you know, marquee players and spending money for an immediate um, sugar rush, but also the grassroots stuff that the clubs are going to have to do, building the relations with local associations and getting their their players and their brand and their merchandise front and centre in front of uh, kids, the, the many, many, many thousands of kids who are playing football in various forms across the country. Tom, and talking about the digital market and engagement, it's something that the A-League perhaps has lagged behind other codes. In terms of the inspiration where they've taken that, are they looking at maybe ways that AFL and NRL have got into the market in that front, or have they looked maybe further afield, like obviously the the Premier League influence on this new um, league model is obvious, but are they looking at maybe stuff like, I know the NBA and the NFL and Major League Baseball are all world leaders when it comes to digital engagement. Just what sort of uh, inspiration are the A-League owners trying to take in their pursuit of these new markets? Um, well, the, the examples that were given to, to those who've seen who've had the presentation made to them were things like the AFL ticketing strategy because it uses um, uh, Facebook particularly to do very targeted um, uh, ticketing ads and things like that. Um, then there's the broader brush stuff. It's how to use, once you've got the data, it's how to use it effectively, uh, how to target um, uh, things to, to people specifically, um, but also doing, you know, because we all know that you know, marketing campaigns, the, the statistics are, are terrible for returns. And, you know, if you do a, a mail out, you get, I think, isn't it, is it something like 5% um, take up? And that's regarded as phenomenal. So there's always, um, you've got to do these things as a fairly broad brush approach to get um, any sort of response. Um, but I think that the whole, the key point is that um, the, the marketing at the moment, they've got the four of the brightest marketing leads from the clubs are working together and in a group along with um, Saatchi and Saatchi to plan the theme for this season, but also then to work to go beyond that and how they drill down into whatever data they've got uh, and how to target people. Um, there's, 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 I saw a stat the other day that, or someone told me a stat the other day that on people born beyond the mid-90s spend X hours a day on video channels. So you're looking at YouTube and a variety of different um, outlets. You know, I'm 40, 40-something, 40 late 40s. I'm, I'm, um, I'm not old. I can't actually remember exactly how old I am. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, and I, I, I watch and consume in certain ways. It's very different to how my children consume and how people in their twenties consume. So, um, the, the, I think all basis is, is a very, very long-winded answer to your question. Um, mm. but, but obviously, none of it will happen overnight. Um, but they're talking about what can we do first of all. What's, what are the easy wins? Stuff that's just not been done because of the inertia of the last couple of years, while the game has been sort of in, at a gridlock, while people have been fighting over the control of it. Yeah, more content, more engaging content for the A-League certainly um, is what's needed. I'm really excited by that. One other thing, Tom, that did really excite me um, that uh, you mentioned in your in your yarn was the Community Shield idea. And obviously, uh, I guess hailing from, from England, you know a lot about that, uh, that concept. And it's set to be the Premiers versus the Champions, A-League Premiers versus A-League Champions, if indeed it is implemented. Um, I guess it speaks probably kind of volumes of um, potentially where we sit, I guess, as football fans, sometimes in that we're a little negative. I guess my only criticism of this idea is could it not be the A-League champions maybe versus the FFA Cup winners? But regardless, I really like the actual concept and bring it here. Well, one thing it will do, um, and this is definitely a theme, is raise the profile of the premiers. Uh, there's talk mm. of, of changing the trophy and, um, you know, it was only about three years ago that they actually gave medals to the premiers. Because uh, I remember this was a bugbear of mine. This had been going on for years, and there was no recognition individually for the players uh, who have come top of the league after 27 rounds. And I, and I remember about three years ago ringing the FSA saying, 
I'm going to do my annual article about this and give you the chance to comment. And they came straight back and said, well, actually, we are doing it. And I think that was when Gregor Rock had just taken over the A-League. And fair play to Greg, he spotted that straight away as a, as a complete anomaly and instituted um, medals. And so they're gradually building the profile of the team that comes top of the league so that it will, I doubt in Australian terms, it'll ever have parity with the team that wins the finals because they are regarded as the champions, but certainly make it a far bigger thing. Um, so in that respect, I, I don't have a problem with making the, the premiers versus the uh, um, versus the team that wins the finals. Uh, it, it often is the same team, obviously, and then you could say maybe the fullback is the is the team that wins the FFA Cup or whatever. But um, I think giving that recognition is important, and it, it's certainly part of the strategy to say to people that uh, the first twenty seven rounds matters as well as the finals. Mm. Tom, of course, speaking about all of this, all the marketing and trying to zhuzh up the A-League, but there is also also the aspect of the thing that's happening on that big green thing out there. And in terms of the footballing elements that are being discussed, I know you were discussing about how stuff like the salary cap is up for review, transfer fees, all of these stuff that would hopefully reform the game and maybe just push us along. Um, obviously, they're all up for discussion, but... Uh, in your estimation, you've talked about combating the inertia. Are these reforms that the clubs are going to look to bring in sooner rather than later, like as in maybe in the next two years to really capitalise and create some excitement around the league, or is it more of a long-term prospect, these footballing reforms? Uh, I think a lot of it is fairly immediate. Whether they can get stuff done in the next two months is uh, debatable because we are getting so close to the new season and there has to come a point at which you can't be rewriting the rules on the eve of the season. But um, and I think the key thing is, is selling the league so that we don't have another two disastrous years where interest just keeps falling and falling. Um, that's the, the, the immediate priority is, is a sort of short-term sugar rush to get people back in engaged. And then you, you buy yourself a, a year's breathing space and then look at, at uh, making footballing changes that... Um, just obvious things to do, like prize money. You know, there's got to be a reason for finishing higher up the table and then a reason for advancing through the finals. Um, And they're also, as we've been discussed, they're also looking at the team that comes bottom not making the FFA Cup, just trying to create a bit of football tension in there and and making it feel like a football competition that matters. Um, Whether they can get all that done in the next few couple of months, I think is doubtful, but certainly for the year after, especially when we got to, to 12 teams, don't forget... This year is very much a, a holding year. We've got 11 teams, therefore we've got to buy. We're playing through the international breaks and all that kind of thing. Next year, they're not going to play through the international breaks. There'll be an even number of teams. Um, that you're going to, going to have fewer and fewer uh, fixtures where you're playing a team for the third time. Uh, and the, the ultimate aim is 16 teams and just home and away like everywhere else in the world. But um, the, I think you'll see a lot of difference in football in terms of the year after this. Uh, and yeah, that can't come soon enough, but Rome wasn't built in a day and there's, there's a limit to what can be done um, because this whole process has taken so long to get to to, to where we are. Yeah, no, absolutely. Just uh, a final one from me, Tom. Um, obviously, we've spoken a bit about the inertia already and you touched on the, the new season forthcoming just there and obviously there's been a lot of uh, logistical things that the FFA have had to deal with and manoeuvre around to get this new fixture up and going. Of course, it's a couple of months away now, probably two and a half months away still. But, um, I mean, um, you spoke, about, uh, spoke a bit about it there. How are you kind of feeling um, ahead of this, this season to come? Um, I guess it is a, a strange one, but in some respects, um, as you said, uh, it's a bit of a, uh, I guess, a, a holding year, so to speak. We've... Um uh, if, if the year when Del Piero came in was, was 10 and maybe 2010 was a zero in terms of excitement levels, um, 
I probably was at four and I'm probably up to seven and a half. Um, if that makes mm, sense. I was, yeah. I, I just couldn't see a way forward. Um, and I, I sort of tried to explain to, to people, um, in the competition that, you know, that there are issues around big issues around interest and uh, what, what people are reading and what they're interested in reading and the A-League's really not scoring highly. Um, but now there's a sense that somebody's at the wheel, which there wasn't before. We were sort of floating and not really going anywhere. Um, the, we can argue over the exact direction, but someone's at the wheel. There is momentum. Um, and I don't think it's going to be a Del Piero-like season in the sense of that many, many, many thousands of people coming and huge amount of talking about it. But the very fact that, you know, we got some people to talk about what had been presented to them this week, um, in, in two days, there'll be more tomorrow um, on our in our paper, a whole page of coverage of the A-League um, that wouldn't have been Fantastic. there otherwise. And, and videos on our website, you know, we're, we're going through the old marketing campaign. All of this stuff adds to the sense that finally there's movement again. So I doubt it's going to be uh, an outstanding in an immediate uh, change around, but it feels like that we could actually be getting the engines on and we're going through the early gears and hopefully, you know, we can start moving through the gears over the next couple of years. Yeah, well said. It's going to be really interesting to see how it all works, of course, with the buys, with Western United coming in. But some, of course, yourself and Emma Kemp and uh, even David Davidovich as well at the News Corp Press doing a great job covering the A-League and, I guess, the Socceroos more broadly as well. Tom, thanks as always for your time and hopefully we can check in with you soon. Anytime, guys. Always a pleasure.